Welcome to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I'm Liz and I'm obsessed with the future of work and all things co-working and flexible work. In our second season, we're focusing on technology. I'll be interviewing amazing humans from all over the map in this five-part series. We'll be exploring the future of work, technology, new models, and of course, somehow I'll work in some health and wellness. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I am so excited today to have the VP of Business Development from Ascensus, Chris James, with us. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. Okay, I'm going to start with the speed round because okay. we need to get to know you better. You ready? Oh, I'm ready to rock. Okay. Robots in the house, yes or no? Uh, for cleaning, but that's it. Okay. Android or Apple? Oh, if my if the text bubble's green, I don't even respond. <laughs> Favorite app? Uh, StockX. Okay. Uh, summer vacation this year, yes or no? Like, am I going on summer vacation? Yeah. I just booked Kauai. So, Lovely. Um, Lovely. Yeah. And y'all can't see this, but he's wearing a surfing sweatshirt. So I know what he's doing. <laughs> and uh, the last thing you ate? An apple. Oh, very healthy. And have you discovered the Cosmic Apple? Cosmic Apple? Yeah, it's called a Cosmic Crisp. Like, look for it. It's worth it. Write it down right now. Yeah, Cosmic, Cosmic Crisp. Okay. Or what's the thing that you would watch again from Netflix? <laughs> I shouldn't be embarrassed to say this, but uh, the Cobra Kai Karate Kid reboot. Oh, I love it. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. Hilarious. Okay. So first and foremost, in the times of COVID, I ask everybody the same question. And I usually ask it even not in times of COVID, but I'm super interested to hear where in the world you are and how you are. Hmm. We, uh, I'm good. I am obviously in... Southern California in a, in a little town called San Clemente, little surf town. So if there's any place you had to quarantine, this would be the place to be. But it was, I mean, what an experience. I mean, we, it's, uh, you know, a global pandemic that, w- that we're living through. It's, you know, I, someone told me to put it in perspective, I, I have a, a nine and a 10 year old. And, and so 10% of their life so far has been spent in, in quarantine, which is pretty crazy to think about for, for the younger generation of kids. And, you know, from, from shutdowns all over and, you know, any, any kids that play sports or their activities, you know, I think that the hardest thing for me through all that, it was just watching the kids just be robbed of, of the things that bring them so much joy, which is kind of weird that, you know, in, in all the turmoil around the world that my focus was just being sad for the children that, you know, didn't get to play football and didn't get to go to their gymnastics contest and didn't get to play well, football. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think so. But also, you know, your world became this really tiny bubble, right? <laughs> and they're a huge part of that bubble for you. So to me, it, it makes perfect sense. Although I am super jealous of anyone that got to quarantine close to the ocean, because that is like probably the thing I miss the most after yeah, the humans. They did. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of my little town because uh, I don't want it flooded with people. But I think our beach only shut down for like 10 days. Wow. Thing. So it was like shut down. You couldn't go hang out, but you could go surf. Um, nice. So I at least got that through the, the, the year of shutdown. I got to go surf and I need. Yeah. To- well, and like, this is going to be that thing that we're going to talk about and reference for the rest of our lives. And actually I'm lucky I've had my second COVID shot and I'm already like almost <laughs> nostalgic for the shutdown. I'm like, remember that time when we all just stayed at home? It was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Spent time with family and I wish I'd 
you know, you wish I could have put it more in perspective, probably early on when it was full shutdown, I was more stressed about, you know, what the effects were and, and wasn't able to enjoy kind of everyone together and, you know, slowing down a bit, you know, but we will, we'll talk about this forever. I mean, we're about to spend the next, you know, however long talking about how it shifted an industry that we've been involved in for so long, which is really interesting. I mean, major, major shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you shifted during this as well. So you've had a pretty interesting career uh, working with real estate companies and specifically in leasing management roles. What, what led you to a census and what do you do there? Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting because, um, you know, a census is, is really leasing adjacent, commercial real estate adjacent. I mean, it's a it's a software that is has been around for a decade and a half and has been you know fully focused on you know improving flexible office leasing. Like even at a time when flex wasn't a big thing, you know, it was trying to simplify the complexities of executive suites. Um, mm-hmm. About as flexible as real estate got. I remember when I started as a broker in in two thousand and I worked with uh, one of my mentors was really big on strategic planning for his for his his clients but strategic planning back then for a client was like these are the rigid terms of what a lease is so how do we take these very rigid terms and you know strategize for your portfolio growth knowing that you know if you grow or contract you're still going to be stuck to a five seven ten year lease you know because it was just that's what it was. And I and I really had an opportunity to work with a, a, a group of private developer out of Canada that saw leasing as a very fluid thing, you know, recognized tenant demand and really tried to put the pieces together on like, how can we give them some of the things they want, knowing that if we get them into the portfolio, they'll probably stay. So instead of looking at like, I'm going to lock these guys in for seven years, if I can lock them in for three but I give them a really good product and something that's really cool, like a tenant amenity and a gym and a really mm-hmm. cool working environment and creative space, then that three-year term is going to turn into 20 years regardless. And so that was like a, a real introduction to like flex and like real estate to me being more fluid than it is than it is rigid. And that just, that was where the journey started on, you know, how do we improve the offering to tenants and I obviously ended up at Notel, which was really on the forefront of, of trying to give this product to, to the user and the occupier. And through my time at Notel, just saw the demand for flexible office and the benefits and the premiums tenants were prepared to pay. That's where I, where I ended up with Notel. And, and Notel really was on the forefront of offering this positive user experience and creating really cool space and offering these flexible terms. And, and the demand was heavy for that. It would, their, you know, tenants just loved the idea that, you know, they can now properly strategically plan. They can, you know, do shorter term leases that and give great culture and not have to sacrifice by doing subleases and all these things. And it was really a third party game at the time. It, it wasn't something in my mind, I just believed that this was something that third parties will do. Landlords give mm-hmm. their long-term leases. It's fairly complex and there's a lot that goes into it. So, you know, landlords would have to deploy teams and, you know, how much of their portfolio would they allocate to this? And, and so to me, it just didn't seem like something that landlords were going to pivot to, but that's when I met a census and, and a census turned around and took that offering. And, and although the industry leader for third-party operators and, and being the backbone of their operation, uh, they really create an environment where a landlord can now say, I can effectively deploy this as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I can still operate if I want, and a census would still work with that operator. But if a landlord wants to say, 
I have X amount of square feet and I really want to tap into this market and this demand with the census product, they can do that. And, and it's easy. Yeah, it's so interesting how the focus has really shifted. And, you know, before it felt like, you know, landlords just had this and developers just had this formula and they just did this formula over and over and over again. And they made tons of money doing that formula. And now I feel like, you know, because we've all just been on the the biggest work from home experience experiment in the world that, you know, that has shifted and what used to work for them is no longer going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've definitely seen it. We, I mean, people moved to home and um, I remember early in the pandemic, I had a conversation with a CFO and, and he said, people are okay with their kids screaming in the background while they do a conference call. And I kind of debated that a bit. I said, are they okay with it? Because it's all they have, like they don't have an option. But what about when they have an option again? They're going to want to go back to an office in some capacity. You know, it's, it's not the same. It won't be the same cadence. You know, the, when I started in my career, it was like, be at the office at seven and don't leave before your boss. And mm-hmm. uh, you have this much time for lunch and you better be back. And we know that that doesn't work. You know, it's just not, it doesn't create a good culture. It's not effective. People don't want to work in that environment. But people do want to go see people. You, you do want to go spend time at the office. There's so much to be learned in the hands of the more senior people. And you only get that by, you know, seeing the way that they carry themselves. And, you know, I remember when I started in real estate, we sat in, the, in groups in our teams. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sit and listen to my mentor on the phone and just like sitting next to him and hearing him talk about deals without being on the call and just you know, hearing him say the same things and and learning those things. Like you only get that by being together. And as someone who started a job mid-pandemic, I mean, uh, you know, learning a new product, new industry, you know, there there were some things that that were difficult for me in transitioning because I didn't get to fly to the headquarters and sit down with everyone and, you know, go through a a proper orientation. Yeah. Uh, So I think people... You know, I think it's easy for companies to say, okay, everybody just work from home now. But if you peel that back, you know, having a home office is a privilege and not everybody has space for that. And not everybody, you know, can have childcare. Sometimes the child is next to them trying to do their homework or, you know, it's just, it's just not the optimal workplace. Very rarely is it ergonomic. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of being my own. IT department. I would really like to outsource that. <laughs> I'm all sweaty from running around trying to fix my Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> I mean, it's like this printer is the bane of my existence. It works 10% of the time. Yeah. And the other 90%, I'm not sure what's happening. But yeah, and then, you know, I heard I'm totally have stolen this from a podcast I was listening to, but I thought it was such a great example. It's like, you know what? Just like you have a home office, you also have a kitchen, but you still go to the restaurant, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. So office space is not dead. Let's just spell that right now. And a huge part of the reason is exactly what you said. Like we need to be in these environments to connect with other people. It's essential to our humanness to be connected to other people. And me personally, I'm probably a more productive in a third place than I am at home because at home I can unload the dishwasher. I can start a load of laundry. I can, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, where did my day go? Well, 
you weren't always working. But you know, when I'm at a co-working space, I'm not like, hey, do you want me to clean that? <laughs> like, no, yeah. somebody's doing it for me. Dishes. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one of the questions I had for you guys is I know you guys have recently put out a new platform, and I'm just kind of curious what Ascensus is doing technology-wise that sets you apart from the competition. Yeah, it's really interesting because I don't know if this is true, but this is the way I see it. There's there's really two industries in the world that have yet to really pivot to a a proper tech offering, and, and I would say it's law and commercial real estate. I mean, historically, we just didn't use technology. Okay, um, I've got to throw in the travel industry because they are still working <laughs> off of some archaic software and they still haven't figured out the boarding process. I have to throw the airline industry in there. I'm going to add that one then. I'll, I'll add the air. I'll, okay, I'll thank you. you. Um, and, and we can see if it catches fire because I do agree. It's traveling is the worst. I mean, <laughs> just when you walk up to the counter and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Like typing for 15 minutes and you're like, I gave you my name. Like, what else do you need? Yeah, it's like typing for 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I can't sit you with your family. Because like, <laughs> I'm on Saber software from yeah. 1972. Yeah, exactly. How did you not know? Like I booked for four and you should have four <laughs> seats for my family of four. But I'm sorry. I'm totally <laughs> derailed. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it, technology for for real estate is new, and and for what a census does, it's not new. I, I referenced it before. I mean, we were founded a decade and a half ago. You know, when looking when our founder looked at the complexities of op, op, operating executive suites and said, this, "This is you know, it doesn't have to be this difficult." So, you know, let's figure it, figure this out, um, and spend the last decade and a half perfecting, you know, the the, the offering of simplifying operations, digital secure network infrastructure, billing, automating contracts, which is something that is very rare in real estate. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking 100 page leases that are negotiated over months. Like, what about the idea that you could just push a contract that was, you know, favorable for everyone and signed and and have it over with, you know, billing, occupier experience, how they move through the space, how they book space, how they access space from, you know, tapping their phone to get in, tapping their phone to book a boardroom, sending a print job, tapping their phone to release that print job. You know, all these things that you start to look at, like the user experience and how that can be improved through a tech stack. Mm-hmm. That's what census does. Um, yeah. The census compared to its competitors, it's the only one that does it all and does it effectively, you know, offers a, a network that's secure that, you know, any user could go on and use immediately without worrying about security issues. Well, and that's so important. Important. Like one of the trends we've definitely acknowledged is that people want this like no barrier to entry kind of experience. Like they just want to walk in and get to work and they don't want to talk to too many people or log into a bunch of things or give a lot of information. Like they're there to get some work done. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's funny because it, some of the conversations with, with operators and owners now is, you know, what if I told you we could provision space and with our software, someone could tour it on Monday morning and say, I love this space. It's perfect. And by the afternoon, they could be opening their laptop and authenticating onto a secure network and operating immediately. I mean, that concept seems so far out there, but in reality is is accessible today through a census where, you know, you you can provision flexible space. You can provision any space. It doesn't even have to be short-term space, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and at the click of a button, 
power it on and send access to everyone's phone and they can access the space. And and, then and that's we'll- so important right now. Like as people come back, I think the other thing that we're going to find is that people are all of a sudden going to be like, oh my gosh, I need space for a project team of eight for 12 months. And they're just going to want it now. You know, it's like we've gotten to be a society that is so like, I need it now. I want it now. I get it now. And I think a census is really answering that. Yeah, we we actually just I, I just had lunch with a broker last week who's listing a building that's in a census powered building. And I spent some time with him kind of explaining the capabilities. And he told me at the lunch that the landlord just got a 10,000 square foot deal because the the user, the tenant, toured and said, I need the space in 15 days. And they were the only ones that could provide that. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you can, different. if you can help their time to entry, that's massive. And the other thing is like, I always tell, you know, co-working operators when they get to a certain size, like you have to go to a census because the others can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the scalability of our product is, is critical. It, it's, it's why most large operators use us. It, it, you know, you can probably deploy one site two sites, maybe I can do that. But when you're talking about scale and you're talking about creating a consistent user experience on the Mm -hmm. back, either you're going to go out and employ hundreds of people to try to maintain that, or you're going to use a census and do it with three. Yeah. And like the last thing I'm going to say before I go to my next question is like also corporate security. That's so important right now. And you guys just have it taken care of. And, you know, I can remember when I was an operator and a corporation would come in with like these 35 things that I had to have in order for them to sign their lease. And I was like, uh, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you talk about, I mean, a lot of people just hyper-focus on these small occupiers when they think about flex. But I mean, when you're talking about the, the Amazons and the Googles of the world, granted, they, they have their own IT team, but when they're looking at flex office space for their portfolio, uh, they just want to know that they can access it quick, that the network's secure, you know, that that they can just get in and go and not spend any money. And, and a census is that product that can provide that. A, a lot of the other competitors in the market, I mean, are, are very Mickey Mouse with the network. And so, you know, a lot of doesn't pass the sniff test and th- these yeah. enterprises, I mean. So, you know, there was a prediction that a large brokerage put out that said, you know, 30% of the offering would be flex by, I think it was 2030. And when that came out, I said that, that number's too low. And I'm super interested with your background at Notel and your background in the real estate industry. Like what, what is the future of the office? What's that going to look like? Yeah, I think th- th- there's two concepts um, that I believe in. And one is the, the traditional flex concept where you're talking about, you know, office space as a service quick access, short-term, you know, when I say short-term, less than 24 months. You know, I think that that number might be fairly indicative of what Flex is. 30% of of deals will be those kind of short-term, fully furnished network capabilities. But I don't think that that's that's not where real estate is headed. You know, if if we were to say that without debating that 30% number and, and say that the the remaining 70% are traditional leases. I don't think that 70% of traditional leases is going to be the traditional leases that you and I knew coming up in commercial real estate. I, I think that there is an expectation from the occupiers 
you know, that they want more. They, they don't just want brick and beam. They don't just want carpet on their floors. You know, there's an expectations of service, of experience, of touchlessness, of technology-based interface where, you know, even though you're still with those occupiers talking about five, seven, 10-year leases, does that mean that they're not going to be interested in having, you know, their digital infrastructure taken care of, that they're not going to be interested in having their own, you know, private secure cloud that they can just jump on the network and go? They're mm-hmm. not going to interested in smart access controls or, you know, releasing pin drops or how they move about the space or how they manage and book their meeting rooms um, internally. So although you're talking about two different things, the services are the same. And I think the expectation of the tenants moving forward are going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm in grad school in foresight. And so I'm always thinking about the future. And I've been talking about health and wellness for like five years. And to me, like that's the thing that's missing from, you know, when people talk about the future of work and technology, I feel Mm -hmm. like that piece is missing. Like we should be able to to walk into a space and know the air quality. We should, anytime somebody goes to look at a building, that agent should be telling you about the air system. And that um, I think natural light is going to become more and more important. I think people will be investing a ton of money into healthy buildings. What else do you think we're missing that's going to be important in the future? I mean, it it's, it's endless, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you're talking to a guy that, I remember watching Back to the Future 2 when I was little, and I was convinced that by 16, I'd have a hoverboard. You know, I'm now in my mid-30s and I don't have a hoverboard yet. Uh, so whoever's <laughs> working on that technology needs to speed up. I know. I always talk about wireless charging. I'm like, why do we still have wires? Why is my toothbrush wirelessly charging, but my computer is not? I know, right? It's it's just who's who's spending the time where? But the priorities of the scientists are clearly messed up. I mean, I'm going to push my hoverboard uh, to the top <laughs> over there because I'd really like to see that. But um, I, I think that... You're 100% right in there's more expectation of the health and wellness and, and COVID's going to push that. It's going to come a lot quicker where people are going to want to know when the janitor came through. Not just that janitorial service happens twice a week. Already, but- like I was literally at a co-working space and I was like, I dropped that on the floor last week and nobody picked it up. Not okay. <laughs> Not okay. Especially now. No. Um, but I, I have a, a bigger vision of buildings as a community. I mean, we talk about an ownership group that has a portfolio, but what if that portfolio was a community of buildings that had a global reach? And so, you know, you look at some of these larger institutions that have buildings all around the world. What if they didn't, you know, you, you just contracted with that group and then had access to buildings and square footage and community and, you know, tenant portals. And, you know, you can sit in Los Angeles and work in a building and then close your laptop and fly to Munich and get into the building and open it up. And it's the exact same experience and the seamlessness of kind of flying around the world. And, you know, my kids have a month off school. I want to go to Australia and I can go to Australia and work from Australia and access my files and have security, you know, and, and then, you know, buildings, building to building, just, you know, moving throughout common areas and, you know, having all of these, you know, the, the technology you need to, you know, like you said, check the air quality, you know, access this, book that, buy a snack and just like, like a seamless, you know, digital community. Um, mm-hmm. 
landlord portfolios. You know, I, I, we're, we're heading in the direction the census is trying to lead the market there. Um, you know, but landlords just starting to look at this as not just you know tenant X in suite two fifty at, at, at X Y Z building. You know, but this tenant that's in our community and has access to all of these things. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the real estate industry becoming more human focused. You know, I feel like it's just all about the numbers and now it's going to be about the humans and our care. Yes, exactly. That, because I mean, that's you're perfect. spending eight hours a day there. You're spending more waking hours at your workplace than you are at home in a normal world. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's, and, and the tenant expectation is, is finally pushing that and, mm-hmm. and landlords who aren't resistant to it are already on the forefront of trying to create that improved tenant experience. And that's going to create more competition in the market for from building to building. So, you know, landlords really need to start to look at this. Stuff. Well, and it's the folks like a census who are providing the value to help the landlord get to that place where they can put the humans first that I think is super critical to the future. And I love that you guys are, are leading the charge. Any landlords that are listening, it's easy. absolutely okay and now i have one burning question for you because i was creeping on your linkedin profile okay (laughs) i need to know how you learned haitian creole and i might need to hear a little okay okay um I served a mission for my church uh, years back. Uh, so I, I lived in Haiti for two years. Um, oh, wow. Being fluent in Haitian Creole. Um, it was a, a proselyting type mission uh, with a lot of charity work. Um, and in those two years, I, I absolutely fell in love with that country. Oh, uh, amazing. Yeah, I've, I've been back multiple times, done stuff with Red Cross, translated for doctors. Awesome. Uh, Raised money for hurricane relief, earthquake relief, uh, worked with a, a great organization called OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, mm. which fights um, child child trafficking and sex trafficking. So I worked with them to do a lot of stuff in Haiti to save the children. Um I just, we could probably do a whole nother podcast. Yeah, for sure. I'm totally fascinated. Yeah, I did. um, I went to Nicaragua and helped build an orphanage with my church once. And it was a life-changing experience. And mine was like one week. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you get, there's so many things you can learn from just stepping out of, you know, this is a podcast on technology, but like, you know, stepping out of San Clemente, California and, and going to a place like Haiti. And I think the, the thing that I learned was that the smiles are the same and they're just as big. It's it's unbelievable the way that those people, you know, go about their life with with joy and happiness. And mm-hmm. you, know, you know, where I discovered that was in Thailand. I had no idea how much our culture was an unsmiling culture until <laughs> I went to one that is. And yep. I was just like, wow, like literally everyone's just smiling from ear to ear. And I'm like, yeah. What is this place? Low stress, no anxiety, all smiles. There's a lot to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I need to have a whole nother podcast just around travel because it is literally (laughs) one of my favorite things in the whole world. And I'm always wanting to hear about different places I need to go. And I'm always dreaming of the next place I'm going to go. Because I think if you're not out exploring the world, you're missing one of the best parts of being a human. Yeah. 
Agreed. Yeah. Step outside the box. Step outside the box. That's a great place to end. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time. It was such a pleasure to get to know you and talk about our friends from a census. And we will look forward to meeting you in person soon. The next time we can get everybody together for a juicy. I can't wait for it. I'll be there. All right. Sounds good. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. Please subscribe to the Juicy Podcast to be sure you won't miss our next season. If you enjoyed this episode, please keep listening and throw us a like. Until next time, take care of yourself. Ciao.